out your Bible, go with me please to 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 16. Trajo su Biblia, vaya conmigo por favor. A primera de Samuel, capítulo 16. speaking to Kingsway Church have you been receiving the word the word isn't received until you believe it and act on it it's not enough to hear it receive it in your spirit I believe he wants to speak to us yet again tonight there's quite a bit here I don't know if I'll be able to unpack it all but we'll give it a best shot Nevertheless, what is said will be what God needs for us to hear tonight. 1 Samuel 16, verse 1. Now the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you grieve for Saul? Since I have rejected him from being king over Israel. Fill your horn with oil and go. And I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite. For I have selected a king for myself among his sons. But Samuel said, how can I go? When Saul hears of it, he will kill me. Because, And the Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. You shall invite Jesse to sacrifice, and I will show you what you shall do. And you shall anoint for me the one whom I designate to you. So Samuel did what the Lord said and came to Bethlehem. And the elders of the city came trembling to meet him and said, Do you come in peace? And he said, In peace I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. So he also consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice When he entered, he looked at Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed is before me. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For God sees not a man as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel, And he said, The Lord has not chosen this one either. And Jesse called Shema, passed by, and he said, The Lord has not chosen this one either. Thus Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel, but Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen these. And Samuel said to Jesse, Are these all the children? And he said, There remains yet the youngest, and behold, he is tending the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and bring him, for he will not sit until I come, until he comes here. So he sent and brought him in. He was ruddy, with beautiful eyes and handsome in appearance. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. And Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward and Samuel arose and went 
to Ramah. Father, I thank you for your word tonight. It is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. I pray that you would anoint my lips of clay to preach the word of the living God. And I pray as well that you would anoint the hearing of this congregation, that in hearing the word they might receive it as seed sown in fertile soil. Make us fruitful, O God. This is our desire. We ask this in Jesus' name. Let the church say amen. Amen. You may be seated. While we're in 1 Samuel, I want to take a journey to the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, and draw for us a comparison tonight of the two forces that are at work in our world. Uh, hemos leído segunda de primera Samuel capítulo 16, pero quiero llevarles un poco al libro de Apocalipsis y darles un repase de lo que está ocurriendo en nuestro mundo en la en uh, en la realidad en la cual vivemos. If you go to Revelation chapter 3, si usted va a Apocalipsis capítulo 3, usted va a encontrar tres de las iglesias de el, de el libro de Apocalipsis. You'll find in chapter 3 of Revelation three of the churches of Asia Minor and I want to address two of them tonight. I believe that the two churches I want to bring before your attention are alive and well in the 21st century. One of them is a church that God honors and anoints. The other of them is a church which God has not honored and will not anoint unless it change, changes its way. The writer of the classic a novel, The Tale of Two Cities, he began by saying, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times. And this, uh, this statement could be, very said, could be said very true in our day that it is for the church the best of times and it is for the church the worst of times. And we have a comparison to draw between Saul and David tonight as between the Philadelphia church and the Laodicean church. You see, any time there is a genuine move of God, there will be imposters. There will always be an in, a, a, a move of, of the flesh that will try to mock or to emulate what God is doing in the world. Siempre que hay un mover de Dios en el mundo, hay un mover falso en el mundo. Y la iglesia Filadelfia y la iglesia Leodosía nos dan una comparación a Saulo y David. The Bible tells us that Saul was anointed king of Israel. Israel demanded a king. They wanted to be like the other nations. Dice la escritura que Saúl fue ungido rey sobre Israel. Ellos demandaron un rey porque querían ser como los demás. Haven't you heard that in the church lately? That ambition or desire of some to be like the world. To do things the way the world does them. Hay aún en nuestro día esa misma ambición de ser como los demás, de, de hacer y vivir así como viven los demás. But let me tell you, friend, there is a definite mark of distinction between the church and the world. Hay una marca de diferencia entre la iglesia y, y el mundo. 
And I don't want to lose time today by talking about the true church and the fake church because there's only one church. You're either true and you're in the church or you're fake and you're not in the church. That's about how it comes down. And there is a a, a, a move in our day where two churches are coming up together. They have been in existence for a long time. And like Saul and David, they give us a different picture of an approach to God. Saul was a man who approached God on the basis of his works. He's a perfect type and picture of those who operate in the power and cunning of the flesh. Saulo es aquel que como rey actuó en una forma el cual nos muestra la idea y la forma de trabajar de la carne. And the Bible tells us that those who walk according to the flesh cannot please God. La escritura nos dice que los que caminan conforme la carne no pueden complacer a Dios. I want you to get that real clear in your spirit. Those who walk in the flesh cannot please God. The flesh cannot please God. It doesn't say the flesh has difficulty pleasing God. It says the flesh cannot please God. No dice que la carne tiene dificultad en complacer a Dios, pero la carne tiene, no puede complacer a Dios. You and I in the flesh will never please God. En la carne jamás podremos complacer a Dios. If you want to please God, you must walk by the Spirit. Si quieres complacer a Dios, tenemos que caminar conforme el Espíritu. Is there anybody in here walking according to the Spirit? The flesh cannot please God. And yet Saul was a man who was ambitious. And he wanted to do things in his own way. His own idea. His own strategy. His own system. And he rejected God on a number of occasions. Saul fue uno el cual levantó su corazón en orgullo. Y su carne se levantó contra Jehová. Y él insistía en hacer las cosas de la manera que él las quería hacer. Now, I want you to be real cautious about Saul's, all right? Saul's always look good. Saul's are the epitome of what you think of when you think of a leader. Saul's the man you would pick out of a crowd. The Bible said he was head and shoulders above the rest of his peers. He was the tallest man in Israel. And he was the one that when you looked at him, you just knew that's got to be the president. That's got to be the king. That guy's going to rule someday. And yet he was a man after the heart of the flesh. And the last straw for for God it was one occasion when the prophet Samuel and you'll, I want you to relate this to what we talked about this morning that the, the Lord had, uh, had commanded an offering to be presented and Samuel told Saul wait till I get there do not offer the altar and the offering until I get there Saul got tired of waiting on Samuel he said I'll do this myself 
I don't have to wait on Samuel. I don't need a prophetic voice in my life. I don't need a priestly influence in my life. I don't need somebody to tell me what to do. And because he shunned the spiritual authority and the spiritual life that was over him by Samuel, God rejected him over being the king of the nation of Israel. And that was a tragic moment which Saul hardly saw coming because he reigned for many more years. But that moment he was rejected from being king over Israel because he insisted on walking according to the flesh. I want to tell you, friend, today, if you want to please God, walk by the Spirit. Set aside the works of the flesh. Put aside your will. Let your will be lost in God's will so that you can become a man and woman who walks after the heart of God. And so uh, you and I, in this day, we're living in a day where there's two churches. There's the Laodicean church, the Saul church, and there's the Philadelphia. Philadelphia church and that's the David church and I want you to go to Revelation 3 and just look at what these churches look like we're going to start with the Laodicean church first Revelation 13 verse 14 the angel of the of the church in Laodicea write the amen the faithful and true witness the beginning of the creation of God says this I know your deeds that you are neither cold nor hot I wish that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Let's pause there for a moment. God speaks to the Laodicean church. This is a church that operates in the flesh. A church that operates in its own cunning, in its own ability, its own strategy, its own systems. There is much that is available today that can tell the church how to do church. I've told you before, I've read just about every book you can read on the church today. On church growth, on church management, church marketing, church this, church that. There's books about it all over the place. And very seldom do any of those authors tell you that you need to pray, that you need to fast, that you need to seek God's face. They give you all of man's strategies, but they don't tell you what God requires. Hay muchos libros en nuestro día los cuales pueden decirnos cómo hacer la iglesia, cómo correr una iglesia, cómo tener una iglesia exitosa. Y todos esos libros que hoy yo he leído, la mayoría de ellos, en, en hecho, yo no he leído uno que te diga, ve a ayunar, ve a orar, ve a ver lo que Dios quiere hacer en tu ciudad. And friend, if a church isn't built on prayer, and if it isn't built on getting revelation from God, what's the point then? It won't long endure. And those formulas will lead to lukewarm living. The formula of the flesh will lead to lukewarm living. And this was the problem with Laodicea. They were a lukewarm church. They were hanging out in the middle. La iglesia en Laodicea era una iglesia la cual estaba tibia en su temperatura hacia Dios. Ni caliente, ni frío, ni muy, ni muy uh, bien, ni muy mal. Solamente estaban en lo neutral. They were a neutral church. They weren't doing anything too bad. They weren't doing anything too good. They were just hanging out in the middle. And God was disgusted by it. We talked about this morning about God uh, receiving the sweet aroma of an altar of a of a of a worshiper and being pleased by it. But when he smelled the Laodicean church, he was disgusted by it. 
And there are, in our day, Laodicean churches. I pray not at Kingsway. And then just let me mention this. You could be a Laodicean in a Philadelphian church. You could be as lost as lost gets and be sitting in that pew right there. So it's not about what church you attend necessarily, but there are, there are uh, factors that are at play in our world. And there are, I don't, I'm not going to mention the specifics of some of the ways that this is manifesting itself, but there is a lukewarmness in the body of Christ. Let me ask you a question. How is it that some churches can have 10 or 20,000 members and not, not make a dent on their city for Christ? How is it the churches can have a, a facility that, that outshines all of them and, and have all of the staff you can imagine and the resources and yet there is no touch of God on it, no presence of God on it, no anointing on it. There is a problem there, friend, and this is a Laodicean problem. God says, I wish that you were hot or cold. I might be preaching to a Laodicean today and God's telling you, make up your mind if you're going to be cold or if you're going to be hot, but stop hanging out in the middle, Friend, if you're going to serve the Lord, serve him now. If you're going to seek him, seek him today. If you're going to honor him, honor him now. Don't hang out in the middle. That's where the roadkill ends up. La iglesia, lo decía una iglesia tibia. Y Dios le decía, y algunos hoy te habla y te dice, ¿Por qué estás entre frío y caliente, tibio? No, no estás buscando con toda tu vida, con toda tu alma, lo que yo tengo y deseo para ti. Y eso no era agradable a Dios. No agrada a Dios. Yo, yo creo que, espero que nadie aquí tenga esa situación espiritual. Pero si hoy estás en esa tibieza espiritual, busca a Dios hoy. Corre al altar y busca su presencia. I pray there's not one of you here today who has a lukewarmness in your spirit. But if you are at the beginning of 2016, can I tell you, run. Run for your life. Run to the altar. Seek a revival in your soul. Seek a renewing of your spirit until God comes and restores that life of his spirit into your life. Can I get an amen in here tonight? I guess I came to church by myself. He said, because you say, listen, he said to the church of Laodicea, you say, not I say, you say. Listen, what, else, what does he say? The church said, I am rich. I have become wealthy. I have need of nothing. La iglesia en Leodicea dijo, nosotros somos ricos, nos hemos enriquecido, no tenemos necesidad de nada. That was their own self-assessment. Era, ese era el examen, uh, el autoexamen que ellos hicieron solo. Dijeron, somos ricos, estamos enriquecidos, no necesitamos nada. They, they uh, examined themselves and they found themselves to be all right. They looked all right because they looked according to the standards of the world. They looked and, and said, well, we look like everybody else. We must be doing okay. And yet when God looked at them, he said, what you don't know. Is it all right if God from time to time tells us what we don't know? One day I was, when I was in college, I was living with my aunt and uncle. And 
I, I gelled my hair, and then I got a call from my aunt. She said, Isaac, hurry! And I ran out of the restroom, and I, I went to help her, and it wasn't an emergency. Uh, and then I left the school. You know where this is going. And all day long, I went through the day, and finally I went to the Waffle House, one of my favorite restaurants, and, uh, and I went there with my buddy Andrew, and he had been with me the whole day. And, and I went like this, and I felt the texture of my hair was different than usual. I, I realized that I had gelled my hair, and then I didn't comb it. I said, Andrew, how long has my hair been like this? He said, all day. I said, you're supposed to be my friend. You're supposed to tell me what's wrong. He said, Isaac, I thought you were trying something new. I said, you know I don't try new things. The Laodicean church had its hair in a mess and nobody knew it. And God said, when I look at you, I don't see what you see. You see that you're, that you're right where you need to be. But I see that instead of being rich and, and, and wealthy and having need of nothing, he said, you are wretched and miserable, poor, blind, and naked. There is a church alive today that is wretched and miserable, poor, blind, and naked. They think they have it all together. Christians, they think they have it all together. They have the name Christian. They have a bumper sticker that calls them a Christian. They wear the right t-shirts. They, they speak the right language, but their heart is far from God. They are poor and miserable and wretched and naked before God. And friend, if that's you today, I tell you, run to the closet and get help from an almighty God. Wear his righteousness on your soul tonight. He said, I advise you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may become rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourself that your shame of your nakedness will not be revealed and I salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see so that you can have vision again. And those whom I love, listen, God said, those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Él le dice a la iglesia en Leodicea, eres pobre y miserable y desnuda. Piensas que lo tienes todo, pero no tienes nada. Está desnudo delante de mí. Entonces ve y compra de mí mantos de, de santidad, mantos de realeza para que cubras tu des, desnudez y compra medicina para tus ojos para que puedas ver. Let me tell you church, there is a desperate need in our day for discernment. The Laodicean church saw but they were blind. They had eyes but they couldn't see. There is a need today in the church to have a discernment of spirit in our heart, in our, in our mind to know that this is of God. This is not of God. To be able to, to divide the word of God with truth. 
And then we, we see here a, a, a tragic statement. He says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Now, this is one of our favorite verses in the church. But do you realize that Jesus is standing outside of the door of his own church? How I many you say that's a problem? Behold, I stand at the door and knock. He's not at the door of the federal government. He's at the door of the church. And he's on the outside. Jesús aquí dice, estoy a la puerta y llamo. Él está afuera de la puerta de su iglesia. Outside the door of his own church. I heard the story of a, of a lady, she, uh, she went to church and she was, she was not dressed according to the pastor's requirements. And the pastor said to her, I can't believe you came to church dressed that way. Now this pastor wasn't me. And she, he, she said, well, how should I dress? He said, ask the Lord. So she asked the Lord. She said, Lord, I don't know how to dress. And the Lord said, well, I don't know how you should dress either because I've never been to that church. Jesus is standing outside the door of the church. But at Kingsway, he's Lord in the church. But he says to the Laodicean church, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, you see, there's always an opportunity for repentance. That's why we have to keep preaching the gospel. We have to keep proclaiming truth. We have to keep announcing righteousness. We have to keep letting people know there is a way that leads to, to God. There is a way, and his name is Jesus. Then that hope can be found, and if they'll come to him and repent, he'll, he'll come into us and dine with us and we with him. What a gracious God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. He says, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. That's the Saul church right there. They have a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. Esta la iglesia de Saulo, la cual tiene una forma de deidad, una forma de santidad, pero niegan el poder de Dios, niegan la gracia de Dios, niegan el mensaje de la, del, del poder de Dios. They deny the very work of the Spirit of God in the heart of man. And friend, that church God won't honor because it's built on the flesh. And just as God rejected Saul, so he'll reject any, any church that tries to gain his approval or his anointing by means of the flesh. God forbid, Kingsway Church, that you and I should ever rely on the strategies of the flesh, on the ideas of the flesh, on the formulas of the flesh. Let us be a people depending upon the Spirit, led by the Spirit, and anointed by the Spirit to do the work of God in our day. I wish I could get some help in here today. Have you had enough of Saul yet? Say yes. Have you had enough of Saul yet? All right, let's move on. There's a David church, though. A church led by the Spirit. Hay una iglesia David, la cual es ungida por el Espíritu, guiada por el Espíritu. Listen, this is the Philadelphia church, verse 7. Iglesia Philadelphia, verso 7, the angel, to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, right? He who is holy, who is true, who has the key of David, 
who opens and no one shuts, and who shuts and no one opens, says this. I know your deeds. Say this with me. God knows my deeds. Let that sink in. God knows my deeds. He says to the Philadelphia church, I know your deeds. And listen, he said, behold, I have put before you an open door. Kingsway Church, God has said to us, behold, I have set before you an open door. Behold, I have set before you an open door. That open door is access to the, to the power and, and strength of God to accomplish the work of God in our day. It is an open door to the nations. It is an open door to our city. It is an open door to the miraculous power of God in our day. He said, behold, I have set before you an open door. Now, you and I, we have been living in front of this open door, some of us, for a long time. And you have not benefited from it because you haven't walked through it yet. But the door is open. All you have to do is walk through it by faith. When you have an opportunity, you, you say, you know, Lord, I want, to, I want to share the gospel with this person. I want you to think about it like this. God has set before me an open door. Where is the church tonight? When you go pray for the sick, I want you to think like this. God has set before me an open door. When you're in need of provision and you begin to pray, I want you to pray like this. God has set before me an open door. Soon we're going to have to start expanding what God has done around here and provided in terms of facilities. And I want us to be ready to say, guess what? God has set before us an open door. It may be locked seven ways, but God said, I have set before you an open door, which no man can shut. I guess I'm the only one excited about that. El Señor dice, yo he puesto delante de ti una puerta Abierta, que nadie puede cerrar. He said, no one can shut this door. It's a door of opportunity. It is a door of opportunity. It is a door for, by which if you and I enter, we can bring glory to God. It is a door by which if you and I enter, we can become the people that God has desired for us to be. And you didn't open it. I didn't open it. God opened it. And God said, no one will be able to shut it. And he also said, I'm the one that shuts a door that no one can open. Aren't you glad that some doors are shut in your life that nobody can open? I'll tell you one door I'm glad he shut. He took the door of our past, shut it, and nobody can open it. He, he took the door of your past, he sealed it with his blood, and it is past. It's gone. It's behind you. Nobody can open that door. The devil himself can't open that door. It has been dealt with. Somebody give God praise. 
Some of you entered 2016. Another year like the last one. No. 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 You have an open door. You have an open door. When you go apply for that job, think about it. I have an open door. And if it's shut, it's because God don't want me to enter through it. But if that job's for me, nobody can keep me out. He said, I set before you an open door, which no man can shut. This is a promise to the church in the last days. That he is telling us in the midst of the, of the crisis of, 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 of religion and, and spiritual deadness in the Laodicean age. In the, in the midst of a time when it seems like the missionary zeal of the church has gone to nothing. In the midst of a day when it seems like religious people just want to hear a message that benefits themselves. God is saying to a listening church, behold, I have set before you an open door which no man can shut. Why? Because you have little power. You are not strong. You are weak. But you've kept my word and you have not denied my name. Behold, I will cause those of the synagogue of Satan who say that they are Jews and are not but lie. And I will make them come down, uh, come and bow down at your feet. And I will make them know that I have loved you. God says, I'm going to favor my church. I'm going to favor my church and those who used to curse it are going to come in and bless it. Those who used to speak about it are going to come in and join what God is doing here. Come on, somebody. Someday the critics are going to walk in and celebrate God with you. Because you have kept my word. Because you have persevered. Are there any word keepers in here? I know there are, so say amen. If there's anything we have around here, it's the word. You kept my word. You've persevered. And I will keep you from the hour of testing, that hour which is about to come upon the whole world and test those who dwell upon the earth. I am coming quickly. He says this thing that he's been saying to us for the last few weeks. Hold fast what you have. Stay in your position. Hold on to your position. Stay the course. Hold fast to what you have. Can I tell somebody today that's, that's teeter-tottering on the edge of backsliding, hold on to what you have. Can I tell somebody that's, that's in between thoughts and opinions about God, hold on to what you have. You might have gone through some trouble, but hold on to your position. Stand your ground. Stand your ground. Hold fast to what you have so that no one will take your crown. Church, I have to warn you that every one of us who thinks, they can't do it without me. If I don't give, nobody will give. If I don't sing, who's going to sing? That's not our attitude, right? But I've watched it every time somebody rises up like that. God says, oh yeah? I've got 7,000 you don't even know about. I've got sheep in my fold that you don't even know about. 
I'll never forget the second week of the of the uh, rearranged praise team after after Brother Josh was here. The drummer didn't show up. You remember that week? You don't remember that week, but that week, a little boy who's now not a little boy walked in the drum set and started drumming. Where's Matthew? Stand up, Matthew. Come on. He was sitting in the shadows, but God knew right where he was. I've done embarrassing you. You can sit down. Isn't he an anointed drummer? Oh, come on. I asked you a good question. Give me a good answer. Isn't he an anointed drummer? So if you think, they can't do it without me. God says, I've got somebody in the shadows that's dying for the spot you're trying to get rid of. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. Now let me fast forward here back to David. God rejects Saul. God rejects the church in the flesh. It's not that he doesn't love it. And it's not that he doesn't want to visit it. And it's not that he doesn't want to empower it. But he will not anoint it. God will not anoint the flesh. And so he called Samuel and he says to Samuel, fill your horn with oil. Now, if you study the book of 1 Samuel, you go back a few chapters, you will see that when he anointed Saul, he took a little flask of oil. But when he sent David to anoint, when he sent Samuel to anoint David, he said, fill your horn with oil. Uh, Just notice the difference. A little flask for Saul and a ram's horn for David. I like where this is going. I said, I like where this is going. You see, for the Laodicean church, he gave a little dabble, do you? But for the David church, is there a David church in here tonight? He said to Samuel, fill your horn with oil. You know what I heard in my spirit? I heard him tell the Holy Ghost, fill your horn with oil and go anoint Kingsway Church. Go and pour out grace. Go and pour out anointing. Go and pour out power on that people. Come on, somebody. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Fill your horn with oil. You're going to anoint a new king. I'm going to show the world who my man is. And let me tell you, friend, before Jesus comes, he's going to show the world who his church is. I don't believe the bride of Christ is going out on a stretcher, just barely making it in. I believe she's going out in power and in glory. Hallelujah. I'm talking about you. I said we're going out in power and in glory. I don't believe he's coming back for a little anemic church can hardly raise his hands. He's coming back for a church on fire, for a church set ablaze, for the glory of God.
Now he feared Saul. It's, it's very natural to fear the flesh. Because the flesh has all the guns usually. Samuel recibe la instrucción. Lleva tu cuerno de aceite y unge a un rey nuevo. Y él teme a, a Saúl porque es natural temer la carne. But let me tell you friends. Don't fear the flesh. What can man do to you? He said, Lord, if Saul finds out, he'll kill me. And the Lord said, all right, take a heifer and go offer a sacrifice. Go build an altar. And I want you to notice this. He comes into Bethlehem. The elders see him, and they're afraid. They want to know, is he coming to curse the city or bless the city? Is he coming in peace? And, and they come in to Bethlehem with his with the heifer and and this is just a disguise for what's really going on. This altar was just a disguise for what was really going on. He says, I've come to make an offering. And everybody got invited to the altar except for the guy that should have been there. Don't get worried when you get left out. As long as God knows where you are, you're all right. I said, as long as God knows where you are, you're all right. You just stay in position so he can use you when he needs you. We got to get over this mentality about I've got to be in the front row. I've got to be up front. I've got to be seen. No, friend, you stay where God hid you until he's ready to use you so you don't spoil what he's up to. I've been talking a lot about Kingsway this week because that's, it's our week, all right. This is our week. God's had this church here and he's had it under a, under a blanket. Because he's saying, I don't want everybody to know what I'm doing here until I'm ready for everybody to know what I'm doing here. I like where this is going. There's coming a time where he's going to pull the lid off. And the light's going to shine as a torch to a region. I wish Kingsway had come to church today. There, there you have an altar, all these people doing their thing. And the guy that needs to be there is... He's over there in the field, forgotten, neglected. Not just forgotten, neglected. He was intentionally left out. You ever didn't get invited and you knew that you didn't get invited? Just didn't. It wasn't that you forgot your, mail, your invitation got lost in the mail. They just did not invite you. They intentionally did not invite you. That's what's going on with David. And I need a, I need a, uh, I need a few of David's brothers. Let me have these guys right here: um, Anthony, Matthew, um, George, Jake. You come on up too. I'm sorry, Jake. You're gonna have to be David today. So just hang out right there. Come on up here, guys. 
remember I told you the last time I put some people up on an illustrated sermon, they ended up in the ministry. So you just be careful. Avoiding eye contact with the preacher doesn't help, does it? Now Samuel, he walks into the scene. He says, that's got to be the Lord's anointed. But the implication of the Hebrew is that when he went to pour out the oil, the oil wouldn't flow. The horn is full. But it won't flow. Because God won't anoint the flesh. He said, well, that wasn't the guy. Maybe it was this one. And again, nothing. He's coming to the next one. And there are seven of these guys. And he's about halfway through them. Nothing. 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 He gets to the last one. He thinks he missed God. But Lord, he's the tallest one here. And Saul is tall, so it must be the guy that looks like Saul. No. God said, I don't see what man sees. You see the outward. But I see the heart. You see the external. I see the internal. You see the man's wardrobe. I see his character. I want to speak to the men of Kingsway Church. God wants us to be men of character. Men of integrity. Men who say, who do what we say. Men who honor God, honor our families, put God first. And who have a a heart that is right toward God. Can I get an amen from the brothers here? He said, is there any of the, you have any more sons? You have any more sons? And, and Jesse said, Well, I do have one. But he's a shepherd. He said, Well, go get him because we're not going to eat till he comes. Don't you hate when somebody does that? Come on up, Jake. Now, Jake's taller than David, so Jake's going to have to get on his knees. Just, just get right there. out here, nothing. Poured out over here, nothing. Over here, nothing. He gets to David. The runt of the litter. Aren't you the youngest in your family? He takes that horn of oil which the Spirit of God had prepared. This thing has failed seven times. We'll see if eight works. And the oil began to flow. I said the oil began to flow. Come on, Kingsway. We're standing under the horn of God's anointing. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Get wet. Get wet. This is our season. This is our time. This is our season. You're anointed for missions, Jake. All right, guys, thank you. Come on. Come on, somebody. Lift up a song of praise to God. What church are you in? What church are you a part of? 
Oh God, let us be that Philadelphia church. Let us be the David church. Let us be that spirit.